So Martha and I went out to the uh, local eatery Friday night for my birthday. Very nice, very nice. Uh, so they had a Friday night special, prime rib with scallops, right? Uh, anyone ever had their scallops? They're like hockey pucks. Seriously. <laughs> and the prime rib, it was, it was, he had the whole thing out on the counter. I, I said, you know, I'd love that end piece if there's any red in it. And he cut it off, and it was just rare in the middle. And, oh, really nice. It was so big, I said, can we cut that in half and split it so we got one, both of us got a meal out of that. And Martha ended up taking some home. But as, as we're eating... And mm, 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 mm. Um, there's all this, all this conversation going on, and I said to myself, "Just, just listen, just listen, you know." And and you really can't understand anything. It's just like noise. It was almost invasive, but you could isolate a conversation and almost hear. But I was just doing that with you all, you know, just kind of listening. And what I noted is that when, when you guys are in that mode of just the talk is going on, you know, just conversations, it's like gentle waves in an ocean. There's an ebb and a flow to the conversation that goes on in this room. And I think it has something to do with the presence of the Lord, you know, that, that he's in the midst of us. He's... He's integral to the things that we talk about. He, he's the expression of the desires of our heart. And so he's, he's interwoven, you know, the, the, I guess it's the life flow of Christ in the body. And I, I hadn't realized how distinct a community of believers is from just a community of people, you know, but at every level. At every level in Christ, everything changes. So, anyways, that was just no charge for that. <laughs> so, so, before I get into the meat of the word today, I just wanted to put out some information to us as a community. Uh, I touched on it a little bit in announcements, but I want to go a little deeper with this. We're fast approaching a number of very exciting opportunities and experiences here at LRVC Laconia. And I'm really happy uh, to say that our Wolfboro site will be joining us as well as the Franklin site as it develops uh, into a viable presence for the kingdom of God in that area. Uh, can, I, can I steal some thunder from you? You're always stealing mine. Sure. So, <laughs> so um, any of you have been following... The Adventures of Scott Shepherd. <laughs> you know, it, I, I remember when TV first came out, you know, there were all these little shows that you watch, you know, um, Rin Tin Tin and, you know, Lassie and, you know, what was, what was some other ones? That were... <laughs> yeah, see, so that's, that's what it's like. Scott drops by every Monday, and we, we have lunch at the, the soup kitchen together, and, and we talk about Franklin and, and what's going on. So so it's like my weekly dose of uh, 
one of those little programs, you know, I just look forward to that. Tune in, Scott's coming, yeah, tune in, you know. So his most recent episode, Timmy fell in the well. <laughs> What's that, Lassie? Timmy fell in the well? How did they ever get that from the dog's bark? Right? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, so uh, Scott bumps into or gets invited to a prayer meeting at, with the mayor, right, at City Hall. Yeah, City Hall inauguration night, and he ends up he knows the guy, so... Um, Scott puts together a dinner with the mayor and he invites Martha and I over. We go over to his house and have dinner with the mayor of Franklin. Now, if you're doing a church plant, you have to know that that is like God is saying, here's a key to the city. Okay? So it might have just seemed like a small thing. I mean, nice guy, spirit-filled Catholic, right? Is that what he is? Spirit-filled Catholic, yeah. Loves Jesus, you know trying to get his little entourage to be all Christians, just loves that support. And uh, so at the end of the meeting, um, God said, so what do you think? I said, I think he's a door opener. I think he's a door opener. So we came away from that meeting with uh, carte blanche, any day that we want, from spring into early fall, we can take over Odell, Odell Park in Franklin and have a Christian concert through the afternoon into the evening with as many Christian bands as we want, serve food, uh, preach the gospel, and uh, they want us to orchestrate it. So, so isn't that exciting? Do you want me to tell the other one? So, so he's a door. He's a door. Now, a mayor is is holds the keys to the city, right? I mean, you do something profound in the city, the mayor can say, "Hey, yo, gather people together, and we're going to give him the keys to the city," right? He has that. That is God-given authority, right? It's not a small thing. So, he's he's a door opener. So, was it the next day or two days later? Two days later, he calls Scott, and he says, listen, call so-and-so. I think I got you a job. Now, he works. Right? He's a nurse at the clinic. Right? But this would be head of nursing <laughs> in a private nursing home, actually where Nani was in Franklin. And so, what's that? You can walk to work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, positionally, much better position, pay-wise, much better pay. I mean, part of a Fortune 500 organization, you know, just all of these doors are beginning to open, you see. So to me, to me, when I, when I see God begins to show favor, when God begins to create opportunity for, for advancement, for betterment, for a blessing, right, it's contagious. It isn't just for Scott. Scott's part of this community. Scott's part of this body. He's part of this family. Right? It's coming in. See now why Scott? 
Well, because Scott is out there intentionally pursuing something for the kingdom. And in pursuing the kingdom, you inevitably connect with the king. And when you connect with the king and he extends his scepter toward you and blesses you, then you get the blessing. So that's what happened. He, he saw an extended scepter from the king, and he reached out, and he was touched by it. But he represents us. He represents all of us. So why am I telling you this? Reach out. Listen, next week you're going to have these little invitation cards. No big deal, right? Name, address, would you like a family photo, uh, some some prizes that people are going to get when they come CDs. You know, we've done this before, right? Okay. But what's the intention of your heart in offering one of these cards to an individual? Hmm? To meet the king, right? Eternal life. Salvation. Right? I mean, a thousand reasons why. Not just so they can come and get a picture taken. Not so they can up the numbers for the, for the nose count on Easter and, oh, we had a really great Easter. There were over 100, you know. That isn't why. It's because the one you're handing it to desperately needs Jesus, just like you once upon a time desperately needed Jesus. And somebody extended their hand towards you, extended their words to you, extended their heart to you, and you responded to that. And every card represents an opportunity for you to extend the heart of Jesus Christ to an individual. You know, you got family members and workmates and stuff, people that you know and people that you love. And, and when was the last time you thought, gee, you know, they might burn in hell for all eternity? Right? So you extend the card. You offer the card. You're offering an opportunity. I think that one was for free, too. <laughs> so anyways, happy to say that the Wolfboro site will be joining us and Franklin as it develops. Right? Oh, that's where I left off, right? That was the rabbit trail, right? That was the rabbit trail. Yeah, yeah. all right. So for us here in Laconia, we'll be starting our Let All Things Rise preaching series, which I, I talked to you about, and uh, I'm going to step out of the pulpit for three out of the five of those, so you'll be hearing some different voices up here, seeing some different people, getting a different sense of some of the subtopics uh, that this series offers to us, and I think it'll be, it'll be good for those who get a chance to speak, but it'll also be good for you uh, to, to hear uh, some other perspectives, okay? Uh, and this, uh, that's all leading up to Easter, that series. And then um, we'll be doing a, promoting a big event day through the cards, with, which to your personal spheres of influence. So these are the people I, I'm, I want you to think about, okay? Family. How many of you have lost in your family, lost people in your family, right? Don't know, Wow. We just doubled the size of this place. Right? Seriously. I mean, they're your family. Right? Do you want to leave them there? Right? Do you want to at least offer them a chance? 
to meet Jesus Christ, right? And it's not a big deal. Listen, we're having a big day Easter service, right? Everybody thinks they're going to church on Easter, right? Who was it? Phil Trillian. I was on a, uh, online on, on, a, on a class with him this week, and he said that um, 82% of people who don't go to church on Easter now, this is across the board. 82% of people who don't go to church on Easter don't go because somebody didn't invite them. That's a statistic, a confirmed statistic. So that means there's 82% of the people who don't go to church on Easter, if they were invited, they would. Right? Can you imagine 82% increase in this room? Huh? Wow. Uh, now, parking might be a problem, <laughs> but we'll stack them in here. <laughs> right? So th that's really all it takes is an invitation. But the, but the possibilities, the potential of what that invitation could produce for their life, for the quality of their life, right? You know. You all know that, right? So family, friends, workmates, acquaintances, people you might do business with during the week, say at the grocery store, right? You go to the same grocery store all the time. You, you know, go through that checkout thing, and you, you know, there are a couple of people at Hannaford. I go through the checkout. I know them by name. They know me. They know who I am, right? I mean, that's a relationship, right? Hey, how you doing? How's your family, you know? Hey, what do you do in Easter? Right? I mean, not hard. Right? You're not getting on a soapbox. You're not preaching the gospel. Hey, what are you doing on Easter? We're a Catholic community. Everybody in Laconia knows where you're supposed to be on Easter, right? Yeah. Right? Coffee shop. You got a favorite coffee shop you go to? Right? Girl at the drive through at Duncan's. What are you doing Easter? Favorite restaurant or the gym? Kids dance school. Boy, you got a you got a crowd there, right? Any place where you might talk to people, you can offer an Easter invite, and we will be providing you with some helpful tools, such as the invitation hands out next week. So I'm thinking we're going to give each of you a packet of four just to see, and you'll have four weeks to give them out. So if you can give out four each week, just come back next week and I'll give you four more, right? Right? So that could be 16 people you could bring in tow on Easter morning. Do you think that's impossible? All right, I'm going to be watching. Comes through the door with 16 people. You do that, I'll pay for you and your mate to go out to dinner. Any of you bring 16 people. Of course, it's Barney's Bar and Grill. <laughs> You're all thinking the local eatery, aren't you? <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy. 
Part of our Easter big event day will be the unveiling of our new small group curriculum, along with the initial locations and location leaders, as well as an opportunity to sign up and make a commitment to the discipleship process in your life. Here's the thing, and I touched on this with Scott's story. Wherever the church begins to respond to the purposes of God in unity and intentionality, powerful things begin to happen. Watch this progression in the book of Acts, Acts 2.42. So speaking of the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe, awe. What's, what, what is that? What is awe? Ever been awestruck? Huh? Ever been awestruck about anything? Did you ever go to Niagara Falls? I mean, you go, oh, oh, right? Right? Wouldn't it be awesome to come in here on a Sunday morning and walk into this room and go, oh, right? That's how it was in the early church, right? And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, right? Coming to church on Sunday, meeting during the week at home meetings, right? That's, that would be a translation of that into today's language, right? They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And we move on to Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. I'd like that. Right? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, and they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon Scott Shepherd. All, right? All. Doesn't matter where it starts. Great grace comes upon us all. Right? Acts 5.12. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes. Multitudes. Can anyone give me a number that would make it multitudes? Okay. So where, where do we see multitudes in the Gospels? Feeding of the 5,000, right? Feeding of the 4,000, plus men and women, right? When they talk about multitudes, he's talking thousands, right? And multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. 
that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were, how many? All healed. Why? Because the abundant grace was being poured out on the church. It wasn't just for the church, it was for the community. All of Jerusalem began to feel the effects of the grace that was being poured into the church. I mean, can you imagine walking down the street and walking by someone in a wheelchair and your shadow passes over them and they jump up and they're healed? That's what grace, great grace and awe produces. The book of Acts is the biblical story of the early church, a church empowered by God through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit from heaven onto and into the followers of Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Is there anyone here today who is not a follower of Jesus Christ? Has never prayed and said, Lord Jesus, I am in need of a Savior. Would you come, save my soul, enter into my heart, be Lord of my life, I surrender myself to you. Is there anyone who has never done that? Just, you know, if you grew up in the church and you had First Communion, all put all of that aside. Has there ever been a time where you personally said to Jesus Christ, I need you? It's a great dividing line. Okay? If you haven't gone there, go there today. I want to offer you the opportunity right now to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've not done that. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but, you know, people sneak into choirs all the time. (laughs) It's all right. It is the story of an empowered church continuing the works of Jesus, healing the sick, restoring the crippled, casting out demons, feeding the poor, and caring for the orphans and the widows, preaching the good news of the gospel and expanding the kingdom of God into all the world. Where does all the world start? Right outside the door. You don't have to go to a foreign missions field to be bringing the gospel into all the world. All the world is the heart of every individual you encounter. Ordinary people united in Christ, empowered by an extraordinary God to do incredible and miraculous deeds, moving in unified purpose to express his love and to usher in the new creation ideals of the age and the kingdom that is to come. We want all of us to be part of that ongoing storyline. We want to be a Holy Spirit-empowered church doing the greater works of Jesus in our community, even as we ask the Holy Spirit to do his work in us, in us as it pertains to our character, our integrity, and the internal motivations of the heart that so often dictate our behavioral responses. This is the deeper work of discipleship. This is why we want to inaugurate these uh, home group meetings based on discipleship. Because you know what? We all have stuff, don't we? 
right? All got stuff. Wherever you go, there you are. Everything you've got is with you. Right? We want our actions and our motivations to match our words. In order to help facilitate these goals, we've chosen to incorporate a whole new course of biblical study and discipleship designed and written by Putty Putman, who's the founder of the School of Kingdom Ministry, which we've been offering on Wednesday nights. How many years now, Eric? Seven years. Yo, we've trained and equipped a lot of people. You know, and now he's taking it to a new level where more people can be equipped and trained. At an earlier point of reference, this new curriculum is designed for and geared towards small group study and application, and it's titled as Grow Courses. Grow Courses. Okay? You know, of course, that you start as a seed, right? Seed of faith planted in your heart, right? Okay. These classes are formatted to cover the wide variety of topical and experiential experiences that are daily encountered as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I just read three blocks of scripture that show what the early church encountered in that realm. The word of God, prayer, encountering and experiencing God are just a few of the titles available at this point in time with others being developed and written for the months and years ahead. We are expecting that God is going to do wonderful things with us as a community of Jesus lovers. But we're also going to ask something of you. That something is commitment to community. Commitment to community. A commitment to walk through this time of seeking more of Jesus in our lives, in our church, and in our community and especially in those new small groups that we'll be forming. Take the leap. Go all in. Be part of the forward thrust we all know that commitment costs, but being left behind could cost far more. Something that came to my attention um, Friday, Martha and myself, we're down at the Manchester Vineyard. We have a quarterly meeting with all of the vineyard pastors in Maine and New Hampshire. We get together every quarter and just have a time of fellowship together, pray together, minister to one another, have a meal, um, just just to keep relationally in tune with one another. And um, Dick Ray had been with Phil Strout, who heads up the vineyard movement uh, out in Chicago. And he said that Phil was sensing um, that he wanted, a, wanted to do a fast in preparation for this year's national conference. And the theme of the national conference this year is Come Holy Spirit, which is Vineyard DNA. They want to just re-energize uh, the connection of the Holy Spirit as the foundation of the movement of the Vineyard Movement. And so when he, when he said Phil wants to call a fast, he was talking at, you know, amongst his own inner group. And I just felt uh, the anointing of God on that word. And I said to Dick, listen, is he, is he going to put that out uh, to all the vineyard pastors? Because we get stuff from Phil. He usually sends out a, a little video thing by email. 
and that's how he connects with everyone. And he said, I don't know, but I'll check. But I, I was so moved by the thought of that that I, I wrote an email to Phil last night and asked him if, suggested to him that he do that, that he call the whole vineyard movement into, and he's doing a 40-day fast, into a 40-day fast. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to eat nothing or drink nothing for 40 days. There'd be parameters around that. Um, that he draw the whole vineyard movement into that. I really feel, felt like it was the heart of God that that would happen. I says, if not, would you give me your timetable? Because I want to jump in on that. I want to do that with you. I'd like Laconia to do that with you. I'd like to call us to the fast that Phil calls. When he gives me the details of that, I'm going to offer that to you as an opportunity to say to the Lord, listen, I'm willing to put myself aside for a period of time that you might pour more of yourself into our community. Right? So I'm putting that out kind of well in advance, but also to just give you a sense of the breadth of how big this, this sense we have of God is just brooding. He's just waiting to break out on us. And it isn't just us here. It's the whole vineyard movement. I mean, there, there is something going on, and I want to partake of it. I want to do the hard preparation work. I want to uh, fast and pray and seek the Lord and, and reach out and, and look for the king and look for his extended scepter and lay hold of those things and, and take a risk to express my faith and say to God, listen, I'm willing to pay the price, right? Because the reward of that is so phenomenal. I want to live my life as a Christian in awe of Jesus Christ. From the moment I wake up in the morning to when I finally close my eyes at night, I just want to be awestruck by the things he's doing, by the sense of his presence, by the love that I feel from him, by what he allows me to do representing his name and kingdom, by the lives that I see transformed. Don't you want to live that way? Right? I mean, Sunday's great, yeah. But this, isn't, this is not a Sunday movement. It's a Jesus movement. It's a kingdom movement. And the whole world is our church. That's what he commissioned us to. Go into all the world. He didn't say go into little buildings. Right? We gather here and we gather here for a purpose and it's good. But there's so much more. I want the so much more, don't you? Hmm. Commitment to walk through this time of seeking more of Jesus in our lives, in our church, and in our community, and especially in these new small groups that we'll be forming. So let me give you an example of being left behind. Matthew 19, 16. Behold, a man came up to him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? He said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. In other words, kingdom life requires commitment, he said to him. Which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not be a false witness, 
Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? So he had like 90% of the packet, right? He was just about there. What do I lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Okay? So I could paraphrase that, take it away from the idea of money and, and goods and stuff, and, and say this, and it would be the same message. Listen, abandon yourself to me. Abandon yourself to me. Repent. Turn away from your own self-centeredness and focus on me. That's what Jesus is essentially saying to him, right? So when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, that's the sticking point. He had great possessions. In this incident, the young man's possessions, his great possessions, owned his commitment. But the reality is that most of us don't have great possessions. And we all got stuff, right? At least as far as material wealth goes. But we all have ownership of things that greatly possess us. Oh, listen, look, those light bulbs going, got brighter in here. <laughs> oh, boy, all the light bulbs just went on. For some of us, it's our image or status. Uh, we may be workaholics, right? right? I kind of fit that a little bit. <laughs> it may be relationships, girlfriend or a boyfriend, a sport, a business, anything that becomes more important than our time with Jesus. Anything that becomes more important than our time with Jesus. Simple example I have seen over and over again several different people at times when I'm back up on the soundboard we'll be in worship and for some it's the only 30 or 40 minutes of worship they'll experience all week long right? and their cell phone buzzes and they get up and they walk out on Jesus to answer the incoming call Right? I mean, think about it. Who are you worshiping? It certainly isn't Eric. If you are, you're in trouble. Right? I mean, if you're worshiping, you're worshiping Jesus. You should be in communication with him. You should be in tune with him. You should be feeling his nearness and his presence around you. Oh, hang on, Jesus. I got a call. Something or someone greatly possesses them. Right. We are most often robbed of commitment to kingdom life by the mundane. 
In other words, we just let the everyday affairs of life become more important than the pursuit of God. Jesus was, of course, very aware of this dynamic and spoke of it in the form of a parable in Luke 14. When one of those who reclined at table with him, that's with Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, Well, I'd like to come, but I bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. When was the last time you bought five yoke of oxen, right? Last Thursday. <laughs> I'm not surprised, Bob. And I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife. Now, this is a good one. Right? And therefore, I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in. I am compelling you to come in. Wherever you are that is out, come in. That my house may be filled, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Ouch. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, and here is Jesus' definition of commitment. If anyone comes to me and does not, this is a strong word, does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I just want to release the pressure on that word because I, I researched it this morning, okay? And the word hate is in the Greek, misio, M-I-S-E-O, misio. And it is an extended form of the Greek word of hate, which that heavy one, and it means to love less. To love less. It does not have the implication of, I hate you, I despise, and that is not what this word says. So I'm going to rephrase that uh, so, that, so that you hear it that way. If anyone comes to me and does not love less, his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. Remember Peter? Right? Oh, Lord, even if everyone else jumps ship on you, I would die for you. Right? It says to be not going to happen, Peter. 
sorry, three times tonight before the clock crows, you're going to deny me three times, right? You really don't have what it takes right now. But you know what? The church does now because the Holy Spirit has come. You have the ability to sell out, to be all in, to give all of yourself to Jesus Christ because he sent the Holy Spirit to empower you to do that because he so desperately wants to fully possess you as his own. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Commitment to living a Jesus-centered kingdom life is always costly. It will cost you your time, your energy, your affections, your resources, your friends, and even your loved ones. But the benefits of a committed life far outweigh the cost invested. Back to Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. Jesus says to his disciples, it's terribly hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven. Aren't you glad you're poor? <laughs> In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into the kingdom. So again, a little clarity. And I, I did re-research this again because there's always an an opposing opinion on this, but across the board it seems to be that the eye of a needle was a small door in a city gate. Now all cities in the Middle East had walls, massive walls of defense and big gates, right? And at night they'd close those gates and they didn't open till the morning. But if you were a caravan coming in late at night and you had cargo on your camels and they packed those things pretty tight, you could make arrangements to get in through the eye of the needle. That would be a regular-sized door that people could come and go out of, but you would have to get all of the goods off of the camel's backs in order to fit it through the door. Then they'd have to get all of that goods back in and on the inside redo it. So it was not an easy task to take a camel through the eye of the needle. It required intentionality and required focus and work, hard work to get through the eye of the needle. And the more stuff you had, the more stuff you were carrying, the harder it was, right? So travel light. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly surprised and asked, how can anyone ever be saved? Jesus looked straight at them and said, there are some things that people cannot do, but God can do anything. Peter replied, remember, we have left everything to be your followers. What will we get? <laughs> Jesus answered, yes, all of you have become my followers. And so in the future world, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, I promise, and you hear that? This is Jesus talking. I promise that you will sit on 12 thrones to judge the 12 tribes of Israel, all who have given up home or brothers and sisters, father or mother or children or land for me, will be given 100 times as much. They will also have eternal life. 
but many who are now first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Commitment starts in the heart, but is first best expressed as a stated decision. Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the e out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. His mouth speaks. You know why that is? Words have power. Right? So you guys had a very nice little wedding last week, right? It was beautiful. Out in the snow and wind whipping into my left ear. And you know, the most important part of that ceremony was what? I do. I do. Everything changes with an I do. It's the verbal expression of the depth of love in the heart. But it's not fully realized until it comes out of here as words. Your words have power. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you believe in your heart that Christ died for you and speak with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It needs those affirming words, right? Commitment starts in the heart, but it is first best expressed as a stated decision. In the weeks and months to come, we'll be laying a foundation. We believe a sure foundation of vision, purpose, and mission with Jesus himself as our cornerstone, as our expression of intentionality. Can we commit as a united community to do this together, to pursue the Lord with all that we are, even when it cost us? For his own purposes, Jesus has seen fit to join us together as a community of believers, a family, his bride here in the Lakes region. If you'll commit today to walk in this with us, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to bless what we're about to enter into. Starting next week, let all things rise as we head to the greatest day of the year, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the celebration of life eternal. Would you stand with me, please? Ooh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Lord, you said to the disciples, Go and wait, for you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit falls upon you. So here we are, Lord, we're waiting. Lord, not casually, not without a thought of what we're waiting for, but Lord, intentionally waiting and pursuing and stretching ourselves 
Lord, acknowledging what you are offering to us. Lord, in our hearts and with our words today, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come with the promise of the Father and bless us again. Father, we understand the, the world is falling apart around us. There's so much division and hatred and animosity. Oh, God, things are, are backwards. They're calling things that are good evil and things that are evil good, Lord. Even as you wrote by the prophets that this day would come, it's here, O oh God, and we need your kingdom to come. If we are to endure the time and persevere to the victory of your kingdom, O oh God, we need you to come by your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, as we join together in the word and in in the, in the doctrine and in the teachings and in prayer and in pursuit, in worship, O oh God, in fastings, in supplication, in intercession, O oh God, all of the things that you call the church to do so that we might stand in awe of what you're doing as we do that. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you to Stir each heart in this room. Give them a sense of their place and purpose in this agenda as it unfolds, as it unfurls in the, in the days and weeks to come, O oh God, that each one would find their place of functionality, of purpose, and of blessing and grace within what you're doing in the midst of us. Father, whether it's in this building or out on the streets or in, in uh, other ministries that are happening around town, oh God. Father, that in the end, each one can say, I glorified the name of Jesus Christ today by my words and by my actions and by the things that I express to somebody who had great need. Use your church, oh God. Use us up. You are our great prize at the end of it all, oh God. And so today we set our sights there, not looking behind anymore, God, but pressing on to the, to the prize of the high calling of Christ. Come and equip us, Holy Spirit. Teach us your ways. Empower us with your power. And grant us your grace, we ask in Jesus' name. And all in agreement said, amen and amen.